wouldn't it be nice if Adam Sandler didn't count the dates up all so wrong? And wouldn't it be nice to talk together in a format that goes way too long? You know it's time to rewind, baby, for 19 dates of this movie. Drew Berry Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Good morning, listeners. It's another beautiful day here on It's Time to Rewind. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and joining me today is my guest, Nick Rehack. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And this season, we are discussing... Um, Oh, man, you'd think I'd remember it by now. Uh, what was the movie again? It's from 2004, and it's called 50 First Dates. Oh, right. Uh, of course. I. You'd think after doing this so long that I would remember it by now, but uh, it's, it's actually 19 First Dates, and we are going through them one date at a time. And this week's date is what I'm calling their 19th date because it's their 19th on-screen interaction, even though it's not technically a date, because they are married with children at this, or with a child at this point. But it does start at 89 minutes and 29 seconds, with Lucy waking up and playing her latest tape, and it ends at the end of the movie. So we have, uh, I've I've made it to the end. This feels like it's, it's been an interesting project, especially as I've been recording this concurrently with Fight Club and coming hot off the heels of Memento and taking a very different look at a very at the exact well at a very similar condition. I I won't say that this is the exact same condition because uh, they do get a lot more uh, distance out of Lucy's memory by having her memory reset. Uh, on a daily basis rather than you know every not 10 second tom but like 10 minute tom (laughs) (laughs) or 10 10 minute leonard where uh, his his memory tends to reset you know in anywhere between like five and 15 minutes just whenever he uh, whenever he loses focus on whatever he's doing at the moment is is whenever his memory resets but uh, lucy she's able to keep it throughout an entire day which makes it uh less uh less physio- physiologically accurate but easier to handle in a romantic comedy absolutely and you know the way you're describing it just now how you know you have 10 second tom you know the characters 10 15 minutes or so and then her when she goes to sleep i wonder if there's ever been an instance where she took a nap in like the middle of the day <laughs> And comes out of that nap and is like, what the hell's going on? Like, what is the length of time it takes for that, uh, I guess, synapse to reset or whatever? But that's another question for a whole other podcast altogether, I'm sure. <laughs> but you're actually not the first person to bring that up. <laughs> and, okay, good, good. Uh, and I I do think that uh, that is based on, like, again, this is a, a fictional mental condition it's it's loosely based on the short-term memory loss but the again they extend it to the the entire day but i my guess is that um in in this fictional version it's tied to like her rem sleep so i think if she takes a, a brief nap but doesn't get into that that deep that alpha wave sleep uh then she would wake up and not 
lose her memory but if she i also think that you know if she gets insomnia and she ends up not being able to sleep and she doesn't get that that deep alpha wave sleep then she could maybe go two or three days of retaining her memories oh uh, interesting yeah i never even thought of that side of it <laughs> that's a whole different movie that's a borderline horror movie and that you can't do a comedy <laughs> with that one that one becomes a drama real real quick <laughs> <laughs> but this this you know wraps up the the movie and we just the the last episode is is them you know getting back together it's that nice reunion and then we have this uh fade to white before this clip of lucy waking up and starting the the videotape and then we get to see the the brand new version of the videotape even though it does it does still start the same the same way with the accident because you know you still have to to keep that bit in like what do you remember the first time you watched it and like whenever this scene started it's like what you thought was going on when i first saw it i'm like okay something at the art school and or at teaching art at the um hospital facility and everything i'm like okay she's like teaching the class like we're just seeing her side of things and then somehow henry pops up or henry also has a job there or just something in general because the way the scene is designed her bedroom and everything it could very easily just kind of be at that place or it could it could be anywhere right so my first thought isn't oh she's on a boat in alaska right now <laughs> my first thought it was always like oh, she's in a room, and then here's how we're going to introduce Henry, and then the film wraps up. So then when it becomes the big reveal, poorly, poor CGI by today's standards, <laughs> but when it comes that big reveal and it zooms out and then ask, I'm just like, I remember being like, oh, wow, that's so great. They're there, and then you can kind of see a couple people on the boat, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm glad. That I, who all is here with them now? Like, then it becomes that kind of guessing game. Yeah, and then jumping back to the the videotape, we get to see their their wedding and this is you know if you kind of think about it it's like this uh it's well edited or they they have multiple cameras going <laughs> if you if you think about yeah. this you know on <laughs> on the vhs because we have this moment where this joke and with of course ula is the officiant which mm -hmm. you know what's what's your thought on ula and rob schneider in general because i i know I think he has a few good moments throughout the movie for me, but I think that the all the the negatives that's you know the worst parts of this movie, the vast majority of them are centered around Ula as a character. I I feel like he's real hit and miss. It's 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 Rob Schneider being Rob Schneider, really. And sometimes I hear a Hawaiian accent, sometimes I don't. Um, <laughs> and it it works for what it is. But part of me was thinking throughout the whole thing. It would have been really cool if his Adam Sandler's kind of like goofy sidekick friend was actually Nick from the cafe. And then mm -hmm. after and then once he meets Lucy, Nick starts to let him in on like what's going on with Lucy. And he's like, how come he never told me? And then you could have a, like a nice B line or a B story, a story being, you know, Henry and Lucy. And then the other one of like these two friends kind of reconciling and determining like, you know, how come he didn't tell me about her? Or what's all this stuff? It's interesting. It's this whole other facet of your life kind of thing, blah, blah, blah tying it all together in a bow 
I think that would have been a neater approach and something a little more, I think, traditional and Hawaiian. Just because Rob Schneider, I'm like, in some of these scenes, I'm like, man, what do you, I get the like make believe Hawaiian when he's, you know, doing a song about, you know, loving the his wife's sister and wanting a divorce or whatever. But I feel like I could see other like genuine Hawaiian people in on camera being like, can we, can we finish this up? <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> yeah, I'm not and, a fan of actor- this right now. <laughs> Right, and the the actor that plays Nick is is an actual native Hawaiian. Where yeah. <laughs> Rob Schneider, I've I've mentioned several times, he's you know his only you know slight claim to it is that he's one quarter Filipino. Okay, sure, I'll I'll take that. I I guess, <laughs> but I just feel like sometimes the the accent's not consistent enough for me and. I mean, I but I get it though. Like he's just this goofy sidekick kind of guy, and he's just there for the laughs, and 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 that's where it kind of reverts to that Adam Sandler type humor. If you take out the Rob Schneider thing, you still have a really decent rom com because after a while, he's not even hanging around Ula anymore. Ula just kind of mm-hmm. pops up when they want to have a, a joke for some reason, like when uh, Henry yeah. and Lucy <laughs> go into his little lab and they're getting ready to you know have sex and everything the dog he's like get dolphins get out of here and then here he's just come popping up under the water and stuff we're like all right are these jokes for the men that are here with their wives <laughs> or their girlfriends like what yeah, the hell? And, of, and of course he's also got the the very like uh, almost like boomer-esque humor of the the guy that's uh is tired of his wife <laughs> and mm-hmm. and we get a, a cutaway to his wife just flipping him the bird and and of course you know she also appears to be a a native hawaiian actress and just very unenthused (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then we also get the the little moment in the tape and again like it's a cutaway like it it seems like uh if you're thinking of this from like a wedding photographer it's like why why would the wedding photographer show this but from the movie, it's it's a nice bit of uh, showing Doug and Alexa having this look at each other where it shows that they seem to be a couple now. And that always put a smile on my face because you always have to have that one moment in a rom-com like that or one moment in a comedy like that. And for it to be Sean Astin's character and and the other woman, like it just it, it made me smile. It, and it could have been kind of cheesy and dumb, but I'm just like yeah that makes sense i like i like this i like this a lot yeah and and i do even though it is like a like you said a a pretty bad like not not nearly a seamless transition uh but it it was okay for 2004 standards of Mm -hmm. of the zoom out through the window and showing the alaskan seascape but but that's and uh, henry's boat uh on the water and then lucy coming go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but the more i think about it as they're zooming out the way you're looking at it like is that is it me or is that bedroom area a little too big for that boat (laughs) (laughs) i feel like the way the Uh, the way the boat's laid out i don't know i think we got some uh overlook hotel type designs going on right now where things aren't as they seem (laughs) uh, the boat's a little bit of a tardis there you go i like that yeah, it, it definitely does not look it looks bigger on the inside for sure. <laughs> and then of course we get this uh introduction. Lucy gets introduced to her daughter. And again, th- this is like such such a bizarre situation to think to like put yourself into Lucy's headspace and to to think about 
and, and I know that they referenced it earlier in the movie. Like, how would that work? Like, you know, I when during the nine months or I guess, you know, the six months, whenever she was clearly pregnant for her to wake up and realize that she was pregnant, whatever, yesterday, she didn't even have a boyfriend. Yeah, that's got to be insanely overwhelming. You wake up, you have to watch this video that explains your life to you. And then a strange person says, hey, honey, come on outside. You wake up in a completely different state, literally, physically, and of mind. Your dad happens to be. It's like a weird dream. It's like Hmm. I'm having this bizarre dream. And then I'm not a parent, but I would imagine like if I'm being introduced to like a child, that would be insanely overwhelming as well. Like and then he just comes over like it's normal. Hey, what's up, babe? And he goes back to the table to eat. It's just so intensely overwhelming. How does she just not go catatonic or just have a complete and absolute breakdown? Yeah, and I'm also curious, like how how their morning routine works, especially considering that we saw what happens if Lucy wakes up and sees Henry in the bed next to her. We saw how that played out, but in this one, I get the I get the feeling that. Henry has learned to wake himself up before Lucy so that he wakes up, gets out of bed, and then allows Lucy to wake up on her own in an empty bed so she can see the tape and watch the tape. And then he comes back and, and you know, introduces himself every morning. Like that that also feels like a, a weird, a weird morning routine that to, to have to deal with. Like, you know, if you can't uh, Henry can't uh sleep in or else he uh, runs the risk of being attacked by his wife yeah which is really bizarre and also (laughs) she doesn't need to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom at all (laughs) when she was pregnant she didn't have any weird cramps that woke her up or any like (laughs) strange pangs and she's just like what is happening where am i who am i like that's seems a little far-fetched but for, for for the movie and for the premise and for what it's trying to do it it works i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i think in in general like this this is you know a a happy ending i i guess it's it's nice because it, it does show it does show the audience that they have learned to to cope with lucy's disability and henry has been able to not just you know work on his dream but he's been able to accomplish his dream of studying the walruses in alaska and he's able to bring lucy and marlin and their daughter with them on this uh, on this expedition and even though lucy again does still have this disability so but they're able to get on with their lives and and not just be trapped like the the way that Marlon and Doug was whenever they were pretending it was the 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 next Sunday every day. Yeah, and and I think that just shows the characters. It shows that they are beyond committed. There is such an immense amount of love that I mean, you you see it obviously with the with you know dad being there and him being there and them going through all of this work and all of this effort to do that. But it's just still you don't really think about it until you take a step back and you're like, wow, like I, you know, that that's such an incredible amount of love. Am I capable of that love? Do I love the people around me as much as they're, you know, love her and as much as they do for her? 
Um, it's just such a it's it's overwhelming on on multiple levels at the end, because obviously, you know, Doug and Alexa, they're back at the house while, you know, dad's out and about uh, with, you know, the family and everything. But just knowing that there's like so much love there is it it feel, it's a very much a feel good, happy ending for sure. Because like mm-hmm. you said, it touches on them. Hey, we're all living with what Lucy has going on and we're making it work and we're going to live our lives and it's going to be great. And there's so much love behind that. Oh, what is it? Maya Rudolph's character early on in the film uh, where he's like, so you wake up every day and wait for her and, and, you know, fall in love and stuff. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, to her boyfriend or husband or whatever. She's like, oh, you asshole. You wouldn't even open the door for me or or something like that. (laughs) But just, Mm -hmm. just such a tremendous amount of love. It's just, it's nice to see it and nice to feel it, whether we realize it subconsciously or not. Yeah. And, and Drew Barrymore really makes us feel like this, like Lucy as a character is someone that is able to deal with this because Lucy as a character just always has so much love and she's so able to roll with it. And she's all, she's very smart. Like she's able to figure things out on, on the fly and, and some of her early interactions, like, you know, she's the type of character early in the movie whenever she doesn't want to interact with Henry, she's able to just start speaking Chinese on the fly just to, to, you know, avoid interacting with him. Yeah. And then she, she really leans into that later in the film because she's walking around in art class in a kimono type outfit. And, you know, they have Chinese lanterns hanging in the, uh, the bedroom and everything. So she's, there's a, there's a part of her life that's, you know, still there and prevalent and that she's able to tap into it. Or she talks about how she's got a make-believe boyfriend. Uh, what was it? Ringo McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, it's also like not, not even thinking about the being pregnant, but it's, it's also like kind of a horror movie, whatever you think about like how the, their kid has to cope with her mom not remembering her every day like every morning it's like whenever she has a nightmare and she like wants to crawl into the her parents bed it's like she she has to worry you know is has mom's memory reset is it early enough that mom's memory hasn't reset yet and is she gonna remember me is she gonna wake up and freak out and then we have to do with that it's like show her the videotape in the middle of the night reminding her that she has a kid so like i guess do they what do they do with the kid then if like when she was like a baby and like crying in the middle of the night did they just have to sleep in a separate house <laughs> all together <laughs> like that's that's crazy like i i'm the more and more i think about it the more questions <laughs> i have <laughs> like has a post-it note above her bed like that's your baby she's crying you have a memory <laughs> you have a, a memory that's how loss. a horror movie starts <laughs> You open up and there's just a note on the ceiling. That's your baby crying. What? <laughs> That's when they look down and they see like a weird scar and they just like start to freak out and like, oh my god, that's incredible. That's a movie we got to write now. <laughs> Scene <laughs> cut to yeah, eyes but... opening. <laughs> baby <laughs> crying. Yeah, fifty fifty one first dates. You know the baby years. Yeah. Uh, but then this that that ends the movie and the I I do have to talk a little bit there. I mean, there's there's a ton of there's actually like a ton of movies that play over the credits and I'm not going to cover every single one of them. But this this first one that's that starts playing like as soon as we get the zoom out to the Alaska 
is um oh let's see let's see if i can pronounce his name i didn't practice it it's uh israel of kamakiweo ole sounds good to me that's as i think that's as close as i'm gonna get so that it sounds okay but uh had you ever heard this this song before this is uh it's actually a a medley of um somewhere over the rainbow and what a wonderful world i had not heard it until this movie and then it all of a sudden was everywhere and i started hating the song because it was (laughs) everywhere and i'm like the guy's got a nice voice it's it's a very like chill and relaxed like loving kind of song but i don't want to hear his voice i I don't want to hear the (laughs) song ever again but only because it was played like so much everywhere after a while like every so often you get like a credit card commercial where you know someone's buying a whole bunch of stuff so they can fly and see someone they haven't seen in years or something absurd and then that song starts playing and you know it's just i i like it but in small doses yeah i i definitely wanted to bring it up because i i forget where i think it was on the the radio where i heard a bit of trivia about this this track and uh and and it's it's crazy this this actually this song was recorded in a spur of the moments demo session in 1988 what uh, israel yeah israel called the re- recording studio at 3 a.m and he was given 15 minutes he, he said that um the the recording engineer uh, Milan Bertosa gave him like well it, you know if you can get here in 15 minutes then then we can do this uh but otherwise we we don't have time for you and he showed up and this um you know he's a native hawaiian and he hawaiians are are kind of known for a uh a lot of obesity and he was like 500 pounds at the time and the the engineer remembered that's you know the the first thing that he was trying to figure find something for him to sit on and uh then he put some microphones did a quick sound sound check and the first thing that he does is somewhere over the rain rainbow and he played it in one take and that was it and he he made copies and that then i what yeah (laughs) no there's no way that is the great that's a movie in of itself that's one of the craziest things i've ever heard that song does not sound like it's from 88 that song sounds like it was recorded specifically for that movie that is insane to me yeah one one thing that i don't see in the wikipedia article but i've i thought i remembered uh hearing like when it came out that it I don't know if it was like at the time or if it was as it became popular later, but it became like one of the most requested songs whenever it kind of came uh, became discovered. Because I, I do think that it, it gained popularity before this movie came out, uh, which which would have been two thousand and four, and that's uh, they they did re-record it a year later, and which he. Uh, put on his uh, studio album and it's it's been used in other movies as well and it's kind of i think it's it hits waves of popularity these days mm-hmm. uh it was also in finding forrester fred claus um er charmed scrubs uh so it's yeah it's it's made the rounds and and it is like it's it's kind of crazy just you know it, i i haven't it hasn't been overplayed for me 
I've really only heard it in in this movie and you know maybe a couple other places I I definitely you know I think I watched Fred Claus this this past Christmas uh, season uh, so I I definitely recognized it there as well but he just has this you know beautiful voice and it it's one of those and it has the ukulele playing and it it feels like it, it's weird to think of like how well the the ukulele actually fits with this song and with his voice mm-hmm. and it it's just such a sweet song um i've i've whenever i was doing a little bit of uh, research i i found a reddit thread where somebody mentions that they they've heard it played at funerals quite a bit so they uh, which i i think that's that makes sense as well but like this, a bummer. this... i would not want to hear that at a funeral <laughs> Well, I mean, like, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, it, it's it's a very, like, hopeful, wistful mm-hmm. song. And I like I, I think it it's really a perfect send off to this this movie. And then we also get this this little comedic moment with the walruses kissing each other. Well, because you have to. Right. Because in an Adam Sandler film, you can't do anything too serious for too long a time. You got to have. And that kind of ruined it for me when all of a sudden the walruses are kissing. <laughs> I'm like, just end the movie. Like, if you want to do the walrus kissing, do it, like, at the very end. Like, credits are done, and then all of a sudden it's walruses kissing, and then that's it. You know what I mean? The walruses will return in. Rocco will return <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, Jocko. <laughs> Jocko, that's what it was. Jocko yeah. will return. Yeah, and then, you know, we're not going to go all the way into the credits, but I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the first section of the credits, because we do get these... Uh, you know, you know these images of the the various uh, Lucy paintings, and you know some of her notebooks, and we get uh, the a copy of the uh, Henry's picture of that he drew in, you know, whenever he was trying to pick me up, pick her up, and it has the little note at the top that says Henry tried to pick me up with this drawing, <laughs> and and I have to mention that. And because I I pointed it out whenever the like during the breakup scene, because they showed the the close up of her notebook, and the handwriting is different, hmm. because the the handwriting in the notebook that we saw in the movie, it reminded me very much of Leonard's handwriting in Memento, because it it was all print, oh, it was all, it was all very uh, straight letters. It mm-hmm. it was almost like harsh. And the handwriting that we see in the the notebooks and the writing and like even in the paintings and above the photographs, it is a it's more of a script that this feels more like a, you know, a uh, woman type script and and it feels kind of sloppy, but like I, I have bad handwriting mm-hmm. and this is like not the same bad handwriting as me, but there's definitely like some some words. It's like kind of hard to to figure out exactly what letter they're supposed to be, and it's like you you can kind of read it just because you know what you know you can read enough of the words that you know what the word is supposed to be, even though not all the letters are very clear to me. I I think it's you know it's it's kind of quick handwriting. And then we also get like the baby picture. We get more paintings of, or at least one other painting of an elephant, which we brought that up whenever we saw her 
waking up in her room, I think it's interesting that Lucy likes to paint elephants uh, because of the whole memory connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was was there anything else? And, and we also get um, like it, it does kind of kick off with a, a painting of uh, Adam Sandler's face, too, with his egg shaped head. Yeah, which they kept bringing that up more and more. And I'm like, I, <laughs> maybe it's just me, but I kind of don't see it. I it, it didn't. I don't know. That one didn't land for me as much. Um, yeah, didn't land for me as much. But I one time I want to see a film where when they're showing scenes and and stills from like journals and stuff where it's truly just incomprehensible like it shows it to you as if you're going to be able to read it and people are like oh why would they do that like this is a waste of time <laughs> i mean wasn't that like the the opening of seven <laughs> yeah like I all can't... those journals handwritten too can you imagine being on the production staff and being like hey gang guess what we're doing this week fill these journals <laughs> what i'm so excuse me david um yeah yeah, it probably took them like a month to do that. If not longer, yeah. Just um, in a room listening to Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Monday <laughs> to Friday, nine to five, they're punching a clock. <laughs> uh, and then we also get uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a, a sketch of a penguin, of course. And then we get a stick figure drawing of the Lucy, Henry, and the daughter, which... I'm sure that's uh, the intention is that that was drawn supposed to be done, drawn by um, uh, Nicole, I guess, is, is the kid's name, because you see mm. uh, above the baby picture, you see it written baby Nicole. OK, that makes sense. I, you know, it's, it didn't even dawn on me. I'm looking at these baby pictures and I'm like, all right, maybe for some reason it's Adam Sandler as a baby or Drew Barrymore as a baby. But uh, no, it makes sense that it would be her baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. her journal. And then the, the last thing in, in the credits that I'm going to mention is that uh, we do get this nice uh, dedication to Stanley Sandler, uh, Adam Sandler's father, who uh, apparently, like I didn't look at the dates, but, you know, just based on the fact that it's dedicated to, he probably passed away uh, during production or, uh, you know, before this movie was released. So that's, that's nice to have that uh, dedication to Adam Sandler's father. Which I didn't see until my most recent viewing of the film. I had no idea that that card was in there at all. And it made me want to look and be like, oh, I didn't know that, that all that had happened and everything. And so that was pretty, I don't say neat, but it was it was a fun, not I want to say fun discovery. because That <laughs> sounds weird, but it was just it was interesting to see this like for once. And the film is, you know, almost 20 years old now. Yeah. And uh, and then in the credits, there's. Yeah, I, I like whenever credits have interesting things like in the scroll. Mm. Uh, I, I was about to say that, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sorry, apparently I'm wrong. And I, I had, even though I had just watched this like 10 minutes ago or I, an hour ago, as we're recording this, that I, I forgot that, that the scroll does also have sketches and additional things but i i love i do love whenever credits do that to, to give you something additional uh of interest besides just just the scroll of names and uh, like we see a lot of uh like uh, supposedly i guess lucy's paintings and other occasional clips from her journal a lot of pineapples and elephants again mm-hmm. and there's uh and also, like, uh, some kids' drawings. Like, there's uh, 
uh, and I'm scrolling through it right now. There's a, a kid's drawing of a waffle teepee. And of course the, the teepee is spelled in, you know, kid writing with one of the E's backwards. It feels very like Andy-ish from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. 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 Being with the letters being backwards and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and then see, we got the Hookie Lao Cafe. We have another like ad- excerpt from her journal. Like uh, I wrote out to the pineapple field this evening. It's such a, uh, see, see, I can't even re- re- read this writing. Uh, awesome. I, I love awesome. knowing something. It, so it looks I, like it's a uh, half of a page. So you're just getting a bunch of garbled. <laughs> I love leaving something behind some, something uh, wide open space, free road winds. Sounds uh, like a country in, music song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's the end of the movie. Um, you know, the, this oh, I just uh, I just caught something at the end, and at, like at the very end, it says the red the Red Sox winning joke is dedicated to Kevin Grady, J.D. Donnarumma, Paul Saberstein, and David Kinnear. Huh. Okay. I don't know who any of those people are, but hopefully <laughs> they appreciated that. Yeah. So that that was that was fun. Uh, you know, thank thank you so much for. Uh, joining me on this to to wrap up this season it's yeah, it's been uh, like i've i've been kind of surprised because i i'm hit and miss on adam sandler and i know that i enjoyed this song and i and i feel like this is it's not like top tier sandler but i feel like it it's up there it, it's kind of like b plus sandler i, I think yeah. a lot of people would consider and i i think that that's that's where it fits for me but also while doing this, I have uh, appreciated the movie a lot more. I've I found a lot more in this movie that I wasn't expecting to enjoy. There is still some problematic things like Rob Snyder's character is is not great through a lot of it. And the Alexa character, which I, you know, I I have been asked, you know, talking to most people about Alexa, but I, I, I think everybody's kind of come onto the same page. So I'm I'm kind of ready to let the the discussion on the the Alexa character and uh you know, I'll just briefly bring it up. Like I've I've talked a lot about how I feel like uh it, it's interesting to view Alexa in uh through a trans filter these days because it, it definitely was mm. not written that way. Yeah. But I, I think looking at it now or if it was made now i think that she would probably be a non-binary character like you know she would fully be a non-binary character rather than just a woman who has some who looks kind of masculine and so they make the joke where they're they're not sure whether she's a man or a woman but it's generally treated in a, a positive light because she's never she's never made fun of and she's always very optimistic, so it, it doesn't feel that very mean spirited. Even though it it does feel very two thousand and four, looking back. Oh, totally, on it. and especially the physical aspect of her comedy too, and how she's essentially a cartoon character running around, <laughs> getting slapped by fish, getting puked on, dumping into a bucket of dead fish. Like I'm, I'm in the beginning, I'm watching this, and I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like I don't remember <laughs> any of this in the movie. Like. But, you know, she went through and nailed it. And it's it's interesting, too, because there's some moments uh, like when he's talking about he's like, he says, I can't see her anymore. He's like, what would you do? And she's like, well, you know, I would just have my eyes closed when she's servicing my manhood. And clearly (laughs) 
she's speaking from his point of view, but as the audience, that doesn't necessarily connect so quick. So to hear her using uh, terminologies and phrases interchangeable male to female, leaning one way or the other, I think that was, like you said, I don't think it was planned that way, but into but today it kind of plays in that way of, you know, it could be very well a character that is like that. And, and similar to the uh, disability stuff too, it's not the punchline. It's mm-hmm. just part of the setup to what the bigger punchline is. And I think that's what's that's what makes it palatable and endearing and not come across as like dated and malicious. Yeah. And, and she's never excluded from every from anything. She's always right. like a friend and she never she never takes offense to it. She's always like very upbeat and happy and and she's always treated as Henry's friends. And and I think all of that is is very important to to make it uh, to help it not feel malicious. And as a wingman to an extent, too, because in the very mm-hmm. beginning of the film, after he meets Lucy, he's having a date with that tax accountant. And he's like, yeah, but I got a friend over there. And then, you know, you just see Alexa like over there doing her thing. Yeah. And and again, like the the like the her sexuality is never questioned either. Like it, it's never mm-hmm. You know, she was she wasn't like offended that uh, that Henry sent a woman her way. She was just like, well, I, you know, she's like, I appreciate it, but I, I just couldn't go through with it. So, like I, I chickened out <laughs> like a true friend would, too. That's the thing. You talk to him <laughs> next day. It's like, nah, I panicked and I bailed, man. <laughs> uh, and then uh, as far as the the future of this podcast, you know, I, I do want to take a, a moment to address that. Uh, this this podcast has definitely been fun. I, I've I've enjoyed doing fifty first dates. I'm I've still have not fully decided what I'm doing next season. I think I have decided not to do Star Trek. I I think that's too big of a project for me uh, right now, especially coming off of trying to do a Fight Club Minute and this podcast and lyrical innuendo all at the same time. It's uh, it's been like I knew it was going to be difficult. I'm not going to say that it was more difficult than I thought, but mm. I am ready to lighten my load for a little bit. So I there think that this podcast will be taking an extended hiatus until like at the very least until Fight Club Minute is uh, done recording, which I think should be uh, by should be done by this summer, give or take. And if you want to stay abreast on what I will be covering next season, then join the Facebook group. It's time to rewind a time loop group. I I may do some polls or at the very least, that's where I will have the announcements whenever I do decide what I might, uh, what I'm going to do next season. I think right now I'm kind of leaning towards British sci-fi going into like Doctor Who and Red Dwarf because I've I've just uh, uh, at this at this moment, I am almost through doing a full rewatch of, well, rewatch into new watch of Red Dwarf. Previously, I've made it through like the the fifth or sixth season or series, and uh, right now I had just finished season series eleven out of uh, you know the twelve series, and then the I think the thirteenth series was just a movie. And there's definitely a couple episodes which kind of fit. You know, there's not really any full on like the the standard time loop format, but there are kind of some time loop adjacent episodes 
and there is one episode of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker that's that was the first episode of Doctor Who that I watched uh, that is like the full on uh, time loop structure. Uh, so I would definitely be covering that as well as there's a few other Doctor Who episodes that I'd probably throw in and maybe go find some other uh, maybe uh, some other British sci-fi uh, to help pad that out, pad out that season. But uh, again, just follow the Facebook uh, group if you want to stay abreast or just uh, stay subscribed to this feed. And, uh, you know, when the episodes start coming out, then you will see what I'm covering. And again, thank you, Nick, for joining me this uh, for these, not these last two episodes, but uh, these uh, these two non-adjacent <laughs> final episodes. <laughs> Mr. Uh, not in succession, not, not in sequence, <laughs> something like that. There's yeah. a pun to be made somewhere, and I'm not doing a good job of making it right now. <laughs> And for one last time, why don't you go ahead and take a moment to let everybody else know where else you can be found online. You can find me over on rabbitholepodcast.com. Uh, Bubba, we talked about it earlier or mentioned it briefly earlier, but uh, I'm his faithful co-host over on Lyrical Innuendo. You can also find me rabbitholepodcast.com. Play MST for me. It's a whole podcast. Jason Soto and myself, we're going through every single episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. If you want something a little more action-packed and explosive, I've been on a handful of episodes of the Exploding Helicopter podcast. Most recently, we've talked about films like The Island, The Gauntlet, The Sentinel, and other films that don't start with the word the. <laughs> and of course, you can find me everywhere on social media where I'm at, Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on all, avail all available podcatchers. And, you know, if you enjoyed this season and any of the previous seasons, I'd really appreciate it if you give me a five-star rating and a review if the podcatcher that you use allows the written reviews that, that helps uh, increase our presence and our searchability and helps us find new listeners. And uh, until next time, I will not see you again for breakfast next week, but uh, whatever we end up doing, uh, I will see you next time. It's very cold outside, so when you're ready, put on a jacket and come have breakfast with me. Love ya.